This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the Thinking Differently podcast, where we explore the new horizons of our rapidly changing world. I'm Rod Collins, your host for today's podcast. As technological innovations continue to transform the rules for how successful businesses work, we challenge business leaders to rethink how they remain competitive in a digitally transformed marketplace. The pioneers who started the digital revolution were hackers. These free-spirited computer programmers should not be confused with the narcissistic fraudsters behind the myriad of present-day security breaches that prey upon honest, hard-working people. While today, the mainstream use of hacker refers to the subversives who commit computer crimes the original meaning of the term refers to computer enthusiasts who are part of a creative subculture intent on using developments in digital technology to build a better and more collaborative world. These creatives are the revolutionaries who challenge the established order. They have a distinct distaste for the centralized top-down hierarchies that pervade our social existence, and a playful zeal for using digital technology to design distributed peer-to-peer networked applications that radically outperform their bureaucratic counterparts. These hackers are not malevolent marauders, but rather the benevolent missionaries of mass collaboration. One of the early missionaries of the hacker culture is Linus Torvalds, whose crowdsourced application Linux has revolutionized our ideas about how we build computer operating systems. 30 years ago, before the internet became an everyday reality, Torvalds then a graduate student at the University of Helsinki, recognized the possibilities for using mass collaboration to construct sophisticated software applications. Using the long-established Unix language, he created the initial source code for Linux, posted it on an online bulletin board, and invited other programmers to build upon his work. It wasn't long 
before a virtual collaborative community of software engineers were creating a first-class product. As interest in the application grew, Torvalds decided to make the operating system commercially available. However, rather than setting up a centralized proprietary platform that he could control, Torvalds instead solidified Linux as a distributed collaborative network by making it available under a general public license so that anyone could use it for free as long as each user agreed that any changes made to the program remained in the public domain. Today, Linux is a family of open-sourced operating systems that powers 90% of all cloud infrastructure and 74% of smartphones. Clearly, as Linux grew in popularity, Torvalds remained true to the ethos of the hacker culture and, by his example, showed us that the great enabler of a better and more collaborative world is the willingness to lead without the need to amass control. A little more than a decade later, the leader of another popular application, whose dubious origins can hardly be held out as a model of the hacker ethos, became embroiled in a proprietary battle with two brothers over who owned the source code. In late 2002, Tyler Winklevoss, his twin brother Cameron Winklevoss, and their Harvard classmate Divya Narendra came up with the idea for a way to use the internet as a vehicle for creating a social network that would connect university students around the country. Throughout 2003, the trio hired a succession of part-time student programmers to build the code for their new venture, which they called Connect U. Toward the end of 2003, the student entrepreneurs approached Mark Zuckerberg, who had been recommended by a prior programmer to finish the work. As recounted in the popular movie, Social Media, Zuckerberg never completed the code for Connect You. Instead, about two months after meeting with the Winklevoss twins, Zuckerberg launched the first iteration of what would become Facebook. Whether Zuckerberg stole the Winklevoss brothers' idea or not, one thing that is clear is the platform Zuckerberg built has not used digital technology to build a better and more collaborative world. The same thing can be said for Twitter, another social media platform that emerged around the same time. Both of these platforms have been prime drivers in creating a bitterly divided world by separating us into fractious tribes. In pursuit of the advertising dollars that drive their business models, these social media applications strive to maximize our time by drawing us 
into irresistible echo chambers. The more time we spend online, the more money they make. Unlike Torvalds, who had little interest in exercising personal control over the development of Linux's code, Zuckerberg and his colleagues at Facebook maintained tight control over the development of their algorithms and then used these algorithms to strongly influence the behavior of the participants on their platform. While the community of users in Linux freely crowdsources the additions and the deletions of its code, an elite few at Facebook, citing a set of Delphic-like community standards, unilaterally determine what is acceptable content and what speech is to be censored. In contrast to Linux, which over the course of three decades has remained true to the revolutionary hacker ethos, Facebook and the rest of big tech have become arguably the most powerful corporations in business history. Big tech represents the new establishment, and like the old establishment, its corporate titans relish the power and control that they have over their markets. This is a far cry from what we might have expected when the social media companies were startups led by a bunch of college students. If they ever shared the hacker ethos, it was clearly discarded as these erstwhile novices grew up to become imperious celebrities. Consequently, the social media companies missed an opportunity to become extraordinarily socially responsible contributors to a world desperately in need of more collaboration. If the big tech leaders had designed their algorithms to aggregate our collective intelligence into a melting pot of ideas where we could combine the best contributions from divergent perspectives into breakthrough thinking to solve what appeared to be intractable problems, then these leaders could have done what Torvalds did, embrace the new meaning of what it means to be a hero. In a digitally transformed world, heroes are no longer individuals whose extraordinary efforts single-handedly save the universe. Instead, they are facilitators of mass collaboration who enable peers across communities to experience the joy of collectively solving problems for themselves. That is how hackers like Torvalds, build a better and more collaborative world. True heroes understand that real power comes from expanding interpersonal connections rather than from expanding personal control. They invest in power with rather than power over. This is what Torvalds did when he made Linux available as a shared application. Everyone who contributed value to the crowdsource system had the opportunity to economically benefit from their efforts 
as long as their work remained available to everyone. Tovos created a wealth-generating platform that shared the wealth with all the participants. While Zuckerberg's application also created a wealth-generating platform, the vast majority of Facebook's wealth is hoarded by its founders and shareholders. Although much of Facebook's value is created by the content contributions of its participants, little of its wealth is shared with the producers of that value. Like feudal landlords, Facebook's leaders are invested in maintaining a high degree of power over their participants by exploiting their work, censoring their content, and resisting compensation to the creators of content, as we've seen recently in the social media company's much-publicized dispute with the Australian government. Clearly, Zuckerberg and his colleagues are not benevolent missionaries of mass collaboration. The capability to choose between collaboration and control is an increasingly perilous existential problem in a post-digital world. For the first time in human history, private organizations have the unilateral power to cancel individuals, political leaders, and even whole governments should they dare challenge the preferences of its elite leaders. This much concentrated power is unsustainable if we are to maintain free and democratic societies. Perhaps that's why an anonymous creative hacker designed a game-changing organizational structure that essentially eliminates the ability for any individual to exercise coercive control. That structure is blockchain, and it could very well fundamentally change the way everything works. To understand how blockchain works, consider this analogy, which, while admittedly simplified, conveys the basic sense of this radical paradigm shift in systems architecture. Imagine you are attending an auction along with 300 other people to bid on the numerous treasures and heirlooms from the estate of a recently departed collector. Let's also imagine that the 300 auction participants are a blockchain community and that each of you has registered using an avatar rather than your actual identity. Accordingly, everyone at the auction is wearing an avatar mask. As the auction progresses, there is a particular painting that you would like to bid on but you can't afford to spend more than $2,000. When the painting becomes available and the bidding proceeds, you find yourself in a competition with another participant who bids the painting up to $2,500 and wins the bid. Because the auction is using blockchain, recording this transaction requires the majority of the 300 people in the room to agree that the particular painting was sold for $2,500 to the competing bidder and to affirm 
He has the cash to pay for the painting. Once consensus is reached, the transaction is grouped and recorded with other bidding transactions into a block, which is permanently time-stamped and connected into a chain with other blocks of transactions from the auction, hence the name blockchain. When a block is connected to the chain, it is immutable and can never be altered. In addition, these blocks are not recorded in a single central ledger, but rather in a distributed ledger, which means that all of the participants have their own individual copies of the ledger. This makes it difficult for a single individual to commit fraud because all copies of the ledger would need to be changed to pull off the counterfeit transaction. Any modification to a transaction has to be recorded as a separate immutable entry in a new block that references the time-stamped original transaction. This means that if after the event, the winning bidder, who also happens to be the brother-in-law of the auctioneer, tries to persuade the auctioneer to accept a lesser amount for the painting and change the recorded transaction because we're family, the auctioneer would be unable to do so because adjusting the record would require a completely new transaction that would need to be agreed upon by the blockchain community. Obviously, the majority of the auction participants are not going to affirm a false entry. The result is that all transactions are transparent and everyone's identity remains private. Blockchain is the creation of an anonymous individual or group of innovators who using the pseudonym Satoshi Nakamoto published a short paper in 2009 that outlined an unconventional peer-to-peer -peer system that allows users to directly transact business without the need for any intermediaries. Blockchain is a distributed ledger system that uses a network consensus to record and execute transactions. It's best known as the platform for the web currency Bitcoin. Blockchain's most distinguishing characteristic is that no single agent has the ability to execute control over system activity. In other words, no individual can engage in coercive activity against another person or their property. What would happen if blockchain were the system structure used by social media? Almost certainly, we would see a renaissance in our ability to challenge the established order. No longer would a small group of self-appointed individuals have the ability to unilaterally decide what is acceptable or unacceptable speech by designing algorithms that reinforce the limited views of an elite establishment. Instead, blockchain would provide the opportunity for us to design algorithms that recognize the value of all voices and through the application of collaboration mechanisms, cultivate the collective intelligence 
of all participants. By designing blockchain as a distributed peer-to-peer -peer network, Nakamoto, like Tolvols, has foregone proprietary control and invested in power with people rather than power over people. Should blockchain become the fundamental architecture for how we build digital systems in the future, we would have the opportunity to revive the hacker ethos that guided the original pioneers of the digital revolution and hopefully leverage this revival to build a better and more collaborative world. Thanks for listening today. Please join us next week for another episode where we will share more engaging stories about the new rules for successfully leading businesses in a rapidly changing world. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.